that still i know my the other thing's still not working but hey we got music we got music we got music guys we got the opening uh track going right now so that's good we got something we got something like i said still uh still having problems i can't figure it out i, I was working on it yesterday i've been looking up videos and everything about what is going on with my obs software and Everybody, every video that I've looked at, it, it's nothing. Like any kind of solution they have, I go into it, still nothing. I have no idea why. I don't know. It's just, it's it's frustrating, but hey, what can you do? I'm here. <clears throat> I'm here and, uh, you know, we got, we got something going at least, you know? That's all that matters. Anyways, welcome guys to Film Junkie Live on your Wednesday August 30th. That's right. We're almost done with freaking August, man. I tell you. Going by quick. Hopefully you guys are doing all right. We're going to be talking about the DC Universe. I'm going to be talking about that article that came out this past weekend that uh, asked, where have all the DC fans gone? You know, we kind of talked about it on Monday. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Flash streaming numbers. And we're going to talk about, of course, those CEOs of these companies meeting together today. And then, of course, Ahsoka season uh well not season but episode three anyways who's out there what's going on super godzilla lax how you doing did i say it right godzilla vlogs excited yeah yeah should be hopefully well i'm wearing a superman shirt of course that's not what the logo is gonna look like we got mama film junkie here good to see you all right and we got russ who still has a still can't uh you know anyways oh look at that it loops <laughs> the music loops anyways hi russ we got mr venom right there evening uh, we got eric it's the ultimate question isn't it i honestly don't envy gun but he'll pretty much need to do the impossible i know well he's got the ego for it right all right eric patterson how you doing all right happy hump day daniel what's going on 32 months what's going on hey all right hey casey's here much love to you man recent happy birthday to uh to casey at a birthday over the weekend so uh hopefully you had fun with that hopefully get to talk to you again on the yeah we'll get you on the rocket stream again but uh hopefully you had a good weekend but much love to you as well casey we got game city savior right here we got donovan yeah <laughs> Ibismal, yes, I get it. Yes, yes. What's going on, Stephanie T? Good to see ya. All right, we got people in here. Okay, that's pretty much going on right now. All right, not too many people joining on the on this stream today, which I didn't figure it wouldn't be. Let's put that on pause. All right, turning that off. But hey, I'm still gonna get at it, and hopefully, you guys had a good Wednesday uh, and Tuesday. You know, it's uh, you know. The news, a little slow, I guess you could say. But then I was like, well, perfect opportunity to talk about this article that, uh, uh, what's his name wrote? What's his name again? That's right, Richard Newby. Newby? Newby? 
Um, and you know, obviously a lot of people know he's got a presence on Twitter, even though he's said many times he's going to leave Twitter and never does, but that's what a lot of people do. <laughs> that's what a lot of people do. Uh, anytime that something happens on Twitter, everybody starts saying that they're jumping ship. And then you go into their, you go knock on their quarters and guess what? They're still there. They're still on the Twitter ship. It's like, stop proclaiming that you're leaving Twitter. If you're not going to leave Twitter, that's all. That's all I ask. You know, I've never, I'm, I'm staying on Twitter. I'm not calling it X. That's ridiculous. I'm going to go right on X. I'm going to go right on my X. That sounds weird. Anyways. But, uh, yeah, oh, we've got some more people joining in right now. Let's see what's going on, Droga. Good to see you. What's going on, Romero? How you doing? It's going good. It's going good. All right. Uh, Gojira? Gohira? I don't know if I'm saying it right, but, you know, you know me. What's going on, David? Junior Tolson. I, too, am DC-loving David. There you go. I like that. I want to see, yeah, there you go. There's those hashtags. We will, uh, yeah, well, we'll see what happens. You know, we got Lane right there. Uh, continuing on his James Gunn obsession. You're going to have to see somebody, Lane, eventually, you know. But then again, maybe not. Um, Cortez, what's going on? All right. Uh, are they going to? Nah, I don't think they're, I don't think that's going to be the case. It's all a matter of like, are they going to have the money to be able to salvage <laughs> or to be able to do what they want to do? I mean, obviously, that's their biggest. The biggest IP is all the DC stuff. So naturally, they're like, all right, we got to have something to save us. But right now it's like in turmoil, you know, so that's the thing. So that's 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 the thing that's going. That's that's what's happening right now. And again, it's just again, that's where we're going to talk about the, the DC universe name tainted all right and we got uh fear jason there we go hey putting his full name right there i like it i like it all right guys but yeah smash that like thumbs up do all that we're gonna have a members only stream after this so if you're not a member become a member become part of the 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 film junkie community right there and you can pick my brain a little bit more about things and whatnots and whatever the hell so and then of course you got the patreon if you want to support the channel right there and of course the uh the the social media is the sock mids as i call them is also around all right so let's go ahead and get into it let's go to the tweets huh? all right let's see Ugh. I miss, I miss, I miss, I miss, I miss, I miss. I do miss the uh, OBS, the Streamlabs. All right, we got that. We got that. We're good. All right, here we go. Let's get these tweets. All right, there we go. And then adjust that a little bit. That's right. All right, let's start off. Hey, speaking of Fear Jason, look at this. He's doing some drawings when it comes to Rebel Moon. So I always like this when they started off right here outline and then look what that turned out to be that's absolutely beautiful good job good work my friend absolutely good work and then we got boss logic right here who of course does a lot of concept art he's even done posters for companies as well he he put he made this poster right here for oppenheimer which i think is pretty damn awesome i think christopher nolan would actually actually you know i think he would actually like this poster it's not a bad poster not a bad poster at all i dig it i dig it we got more David Ayer tweets. <laughs> That's right. And hopefully you guys uh, watched the podcast with him and John Bernthal. I haven't watched it yet. It's a two-hour podcast. 
but I do want to check it out. I just haven't had time to do that. And usually when I'm working day job, doing all that and working on, on YouTube videos and everything, I, I would actually want to pay more attention to it. Usually I have podcasts on in the background, but I was like, you know what? I'll wait for it. But uh, hopefully you guys check that out. It is out now, fully out. I know uh, I think he gave early access to his Patreon, but now it's on his YouTube channel. Real Ones Podcast, John Bernthal, David Ayer's on there. I'm not sure. If, I don't, I'm pretty sure he didn't talk too much about you know, the release the air cut and stuff like that, obviously, because it's, it's such it's it is a weird thing when it comes to all that. But at the same time, we got David Ayer right here talking more about what's been happening when it comes to his cut of the movie. Somebody was like, this is one of the times where I might where it might be worth elaborating. So we know if you're not just making things up and this is what the tweet was. And it was, in fact, this we talked about this on Monday. But yes, talking about the reshoot. And how this was changed drastically. Obviously, we remember we remember the Comic-Con trailer of Suicide Squad. And that was the tone that David Ayer was going for. That was the tone. If you see all the rest of the trailers, guess what? The trailers get lighter and lighter. Same thing happened to Justice League, too, by the way. You know, when it came to Justice League, the trailers got lighter and lighter. And, hey, let's put a needle drop in, in these trailers and whatever the hell. I mean, obviously, yeah. But those first initial trail trailers, you kind of go like, well, maybe there's something there. But then I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm comparing it even to Justice League. But obviously we know it ended with like, I'm just going to hurt you really, really bad. And then when he actually watched it, it was not the same scene. And I think a lot of us saw that. So when somebody wanted him to elaborate, he said right here, it was a complete scene starting with an epic gunfight between Joker's henchmen and the Arkham guards. We saw that. In that first trailer, we saw the guys that were wearing the mask. There's somebody wearing a Batman mask when that's all happening. But maybe I'm making it all up. And then he put a winky face. Oh, David Ayer, you silly. You're so silly. But release the freaking Ayer cut. Come on. Come on. And then we have, uh, guess what, guys? <laughs> I mean, almost two decades late. But it looks like we're going to be having some 300 Funko Pops right here. That's right. Yep. I mean, it's been a little bit since I bought a Funko Pop, but I might have to, like, grab some of these guys right here. But uh, apparently that's what's happening. They're going to be releasing some 300 Funko Pops. So that's pretty sweet. Look at that. Look at the designs. Leonidas, Xerxes, and everybody. And, of course, uh, Queen Gorgo. That's pretty cool. Like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come on. I can't wait. Because we're not going to see him anytime soon, but maybe in November, end of November, beginning of December. But yes, guys, um, this quote right here, that's from um, David Reddish. So basically, yes, we got the trailer. We did get the trailer for Rebel Moon. Stephen Colbert on... Vodka stream confirmed that what they saw at this Netflix, whatever it was, Q&A and, you know, showing off some stuff. He confirmed that, yes, there was a red band trailer that was shown to them. So basically we got a green band trailer. We didn't get to see, you know, some graphic violence, some blood splatter and whatnot. But uh, apparently, you know, and I wasn't going to say anything, but now that it's out there from Mr. Uh, Mr. Reddish is like the fact that, yes, there was also full clips shown for rebel moon rebel moon clips that's right so actually they saw action start to finish 
They saw some crazy stuff. The quote right here says, Netflix has asked us not to reveal what we saw in those 10 minutes of scenes. 10 minutes. 10 freaking minutes of scenes. Though we can say that, as revealed in the trailer, the visual aesthetic of the film looks like anime come to life. Not the first time that Zack Snyder has brought anime to life. Obviously, you see Sucker Punch, that is anime brought to life. But you see it peppered through all his films. The guy is a fan of anime and fan of those shots and achieving those shots. So naturally, yes, you're going to see something like that. But yeah, I mean, obviously, there's there's nothing that can be revealed when it comes to these clips because that's under a strict embargo, sure. But I will just say, from what I've gathered, too, from things that have told it, yeah, they're magnificent. And, quote, some of the best action Zack Snyder has ever created. Boom. 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 It's going to be magnificent, guys. It's going to be absolutely magnificent. Oh, cannot wait. David Ayer continuing. So then we also got this right here that somebody actually uh, posted or that he posted. Um, yeah. So this is pretty funny right here. So he so David Ayer put like a little 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 story right here when it came to this screenshot that he posted that was from 2016 suicide squad is two hours of soul sickening sensory torment and uh he talked about it right here it's showbiz baby gotta go out there and sell the product no matter what doesn't mean i wasn't dying inside doing it because obviously he had to sell a product that got messed with it wasn't his product fully we were all incredibly hurt, the cast, the producers, when the embargo lifted on the reviews. I was having breakfast in New York with my family when the reviews dropped. My stomach fell out, and I went cold. I knew life would be different after that. I did the press. I did the premiere. I sold the movie. I wasn't about to pour gas on myself and light myself on fire over the issue. I had a job to do, and I did it, just like anyone else with responsibilities. But I will forget, but I will never forget, but I will never forget that morning at breakfast. The reviews were so personal and so vitriolic. And seven years later, the vitriol continues. You can imagine my frustration. Eventually, I couldn't stay quiet. I had to speak my truth. I know my life and my work are mere rage bait and clickbait for many online, but I'm an artist. I have a big heart. I feel everything, and I love making films. If anything, this experience has taught me is to be authentic. Here I am. I'll close with a gut punch of review I screenshotted this morning. So, yike. I mean, yeah, sometimes, I mean, it's got to be nerve-wracking when filmmakers, you know, when a review comes out, especially with these big, huge movies, these CBMs and everything. So I feel for air. I feel for air. And, you know, and I, and, and it sucks too, because it's like, ah, I don't want to be in that category where it's like, ah, just using you for clickbait. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm trying to support and trying to get videos out there. Just like, just like, uh, what I did with Zach, anything that happened with Zach, it's like, get a video out, get a video out, try to spread the message, spread the message so we can get this damn thing released. So, um, hopefully like, you know, just, yeah, that's the thing. It's like you don't want to be clickbaity, but sometimes it's like, ah, you want to put a title so then people will click and then you get the information and you realize that there's like this crazy director's cut, a different movie 
from what we got, and hopefully we can see it. But, uh, yeah. But uh, you got to feel for David Ayer, man. That must have been, yeah, he'll never forget that breakfast. Never forget that breakfast. Apparently. So. And then look at this right here. So. Oh, Rebel Moon. It's just, I, I, I can't get enough. I can't get enough. I just, uh, anything that comes out of this movie, I just want to, uh, anything about Rebel Moon, I'm just going to be talking about. And um, one of the things that Stephen Colbert's, I'm always going to talk about Stephen because he obviously knows way more than I do. But on the Vodka stream, he did say that when it came to concept art, looking at concept art and then seeing shots that were, you know, obviously the concept art was trying to, show like well this is what it could possibly look like and sometimes when it comes to concept art doesn't quite look like what we end up getting on the screen but steven was like hey yeah you saw the concept art and then you saw the shot it was almost identical it's crazy so we got the concept artist right here uh mike awandi explains Zack snyder's obviously rebel moon and then of course like sets up sets itself apart from star Wars with a darker tone. So this is, this is what he has to say right here. And it's great stuff. Definitely leads to Zach. I yeah. mean, tonally it's definitely an ode to like some of the more darker star Wars tales, but it borrows from a lot more. I would say that from what we were able to see, even like in the trailer, you can see that it's not just referencing star Wars. It's referencing the things that star Wars also referenced. So there's a little bit more fantasy involved and it's like a lot more clear. Whereas I almost feel like star Wars does, does a good job of dusting off the trail a little bit, but that's all I think I can say. <laughs> that's all he thinks he can say. But yeah, you got to love that. I mean, it's not just borrowing from Star Wars. That's what's so pretty about that. Oh, so great. So that's what you got. You, you just love that. I love hearing stuff like that. And the fact that it's like, okay, so you, you, you draw something and then, Zach goes, that's cool. And then he brings it to life and they're not just like borrowing. I mean, yeah, there's some dark star Wars, but I mean, you know, I mean, when you come to, when it comes to dark star Wars, you know, it might not, it might be a little bit limited, a little bit limited, but Hey, you know, I'm just, I just can't wait to see more. I just want to see more. Can't wait for that second trailer clips and everything. Ah, we still got what? Four months, less than four months, about three months. Yeah. Or less, or I don't even know. I'm, I'm my math is off, but uh, I don't know something like that. Cannot wait. And then speaking of uh, directors getting W's, apparently when it comes to Killers of the Flower Moon, um, there was going to be limited release when it came to Martin Scorsese's new film, but uh, apparently it's going to be rolling out globally on October 20th. So big win right there, big W for uh, Martin Scorsese. Good job, Marty. And apparently people have already put out some internet reactions. And of course, people are just raving about it. So got to love that. And then speaking of theaters and what's going to be happening, Batman Day, of course, is September 16th. So guess what? You can watch the Batman or the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy in theaters on that day or on that weekend or during that weekend. Not sure how they're going to be doing it, but yeah, the dark Knight trilogy will return to theaters on September 16th for Batman day. So gotta love that. You gotta love that. And you gotta love Christopher freaking Nolan. This is why he's the goat. He's the goat. Bah. Yeah. I don't know why I decided to do a goat noise, but still the man is the goat. Okay, 
not only does he just make beautiful arts, but he also knows how to, I guess, run, run it like a business. Because look at this right here. Look at this. What, what it says right here in this tweet. Christopher Nolan shot Oppenheimer in 55 days, cutting 30 filming days to relocate, reallocate, I should say, reallocate budget to production design and set locations. This allowed PD Ruth Day Jong to have the finances needed to reconstruct Los Alamos from scratch in New Mexico. So Christopher Nolan figured it out, cut down some filming, worked with the budget so then they could actually build that Los Alamos set. The guy's the man. He's the man. This is that that's what a good filmmaker does. That's what a good film, film, film filmmaker does. You get a budget and then you have to work with that budget. You and your crew have to work with that budget. You don't want to go over budget obviously. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to do that. If anything you want to come under budget. You want to come under budget and you want to make sure that budget is being dispersed in the way that it should be dispersed. And apparently when it comes to Christopher Nolan, he knows how to make sure that budget is dispersed to make his film the best it could be. That's what it's all about right there. So good on Christopher Nolan. You got to love that guy. Got to love him. But we don't love this guy. Ah, <laughs> oh. oh, Jesus Christ. I tell you what, I tell you what, this guy's, uh, you know, where is it? I got, I, since I'm on StreamYard, I can actually pull it up. I believe Joss Whedon. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, Joss Whedon, apparently, I mean, this is what's happening when it comes to the strikes that are going on. I mean, obviously, when it comes to these big publications, they need to talk about anything that they need to talk about. And um, apparently they uh, talked to Joss Whedon. They talked to Joss Whedon because the Hollywood Reporter right here posted this yesterday. Joss Whedon explains how Keanu Reeves' idea saved the script for speed. Yeah, you remember that? I hate that, yeah, Joss Whedon was a writer on speed. But, you know, it's whatever. It's fine. I still really love that movie, uh, Speed. But uh, yeah, so apparently they did talk to him. Let's kind of open. Let, let's let's open this up right here. Let's open this up and uh, let's see. Uh, let's share this tab. There we go. Okay, so how Keanu Reeves' suggestion saved the script for us? So writer Joss. Yeah, I love how they said right here. Writer Joss Whedon resurfaces to break down his uncredited script doctoring. That's right, uncredited. But we all knew that he did that. I'm just kind of let's let's go through this right here. He said Reeves talked about doing research for the role by hanging out with the SWAT guys and how they were unfailingly polite. He said that they're only about defusing the situation. They call everybody sir and ma'am. It was like click. That was it. So you always hear Jack Traven, Jack Traven, right? always calling everybody sir and ma'am. Even uh, Sandra Bullock's character, he, call, he calls her ma'am all the time. I understand this character now. My take on it was he wasn't a hotshot. He was a literal thinker. He was going to do what felt right, have an odd approach to it, and generally speaking, it would work out. That sir or ma'am gave me so much because bluster in action heroes was the order of the day, and this was the opposite. He also said, I don't want to pull my gun 
And I was like, I don't want you to want you to either, but you kind of have to. And the studio is not going to let you not pull your gun. So apparently Keanu Reeves also wanted to not pull his gun, but you know, what could he do? But yeah, fuck Joss Whedon still, uh, fuck that guy. But it was just kind of funny. Like, okay. So he said that, but it was, uh, but you know, thank you for Keanu Reeves for adding that, you know, Keanu Reeves. We love Keanu Reeves, love Keanu Reeves, fucking hate Joss Whedon, but it's just kind of funny. It's like, well, really it's, is it really that bad right now? THR where you got to like talk to that guy. You got to talk to that guy about an old script that he doctored or that he came on to like punch up. Yeah, I don't even think he had the original idea. The movie came out almost fucking 30 years ago. Crazy to think about. And I remember the first time I watched it. I remember the first time I watched it too. Anyways. Ugh. Hey, Carlos Detoli made some pretty cool, made some pretty cool Batman art. Kind of looks like it's uh like that first image of Cavill Superman, right? In front of like a safe looking door thing and kind of in that pose. Kind of looks like that, but the cape is a lot longer. And then this is cool right here. So uh, may she rest in peace. We talked about it on Monday. Arlene Sorkin, of course, the original voice for Harley Quinn. She definitely was the full on inspiration. If you didn't think if you think she just supplied the voice. nah, -uh. she she did more, much more than that. Do you know the real life origin of Harley Quinn? It's actually incredible. This is the late That's Arlene her. Sorkin, the inspiration and later voice of Harley Quinn. She was on Days of Our Lives and in one memorable dream so sequence scene that Sorkin came up with, her character became a bubbly, New York-accented clown. Okay, two drummer boys going to a bar. But um but um bum Boy, you're a rough crab. Years later, Arlene showed her college friend Paul Dini the scene as he was struggling to come up with new characters to pitch for the then-not-yet-aired Batman the mm -hmm. Animated Series. After watching the footage, yes. he came up with Harley Quinn and invited Arlene to record the character she helped inspire. Her voice quickly became one of Harley Quinn's most famous trademarks. I just want to say... If there was no Batman, there'd be no Joker, and I'd never have met my pudding. Arlene Sorkin sadly passed away on August 24, 2023 at the age of 67. Without her, one of DC's most iconic characters would never exist. There you go. And you better believe that he just took her name, put an H on it, because obviously it's Harlene Quinzel. So, I mean, it just kind of shows you right there that, yeah, she wasn't just the voice. She was much, much more. So may she rest in peace. I think I thought I thought like on Monday where uh, I thought she uh, passed away at 64, but it was 67. But still, still too young, still too young. And uh, but, yeah, it just shows how much of an inspiration she actually was to the character. Got to love that. You really got to love that. And then we got Phil Cho right here, continuing uh, his uh, drawings of various, you know, DC characters, ma mainly Batman characters. And look what he did. Look what he did. He made Zack Snyder's Robin, which, of course, is uh, Dick Grayson. Look at that. So we've only seen the costume that's been charred up. You can actually see it on the Warner Brothers tour, um, which is pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, he... He made uh he made Dick Grayson's um Zack Snyder and I know a lot of people are like, huh, they weren't sure about the 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 shorts, but you know, yeah, maybe the shorts don't work as much and maybe there should be some pants on them. But yeah, at the same time, I still dig that costume right there. I like the uh the iteration because obviously he's wearing Batman's he's wearing a pair of Batman's gauntlets, wearing uh a, the utility belt from Batman, from that Batman. So, I mean, it works. It definitely works. So there's his drawing of that. 
man, just makes you wonder in the Justice League sequels, would we have seen somebody don that Robin costume? Because we all know that when it came to Justice League 2, there was going to be a back and forth about the telling of the story of Robin getting killed by the Joker. And it was going to be told by both Batman's point of view and Joker's point of view, which would have been just absolutely great. And hey, sometimes you just need to have your neck rubbed, right? Batman begins behind the scenes brushing that cow. That's, you know, that's one of the things that it looks uncomfortable, but I did love the fact that the bat cow and Batman begins had that big neck. So he looked, he looked just more menacing, I guess. But obviously he couldn't really turn his, he couldn't turn his head just like uh, Michael Keaton. So when it came to Dark Knight, they, they, they made it where he could, it could be, you know, he can actually turn his neck. But he did look way more menacing when it came to um, Batman Begins. And he loved to see this stuff right here. We got every movie plug right here that has 642.1 thousand followers that posted this right here. I'm re-watching this movie, Batman v Superman. Well, I like to say Batman v Superman, of course. And I must say, we was probably hating at the time. This movie is solid. How many times have I said that these movies are coming, becoming cult classics? They are. They're becoming cult classics. So you got to love it. You got to love it when people go back and revisit and they go, you know what? Dude was actually, you know, doing some shit over here. With everything that's happening, of course, we're going to be talking about the DC universe when we get to the main topics, but just the fact that people go back and, you know, and obviously this is one of the reasons why things are such a mess because of how the studio reacted to how people reacted at the time. But I mean, it just kind of shows you right here when you see people like go back and go, you know what, this movie, this actually, it's actually pretty good. And said it was solid. You just love to see it. You freaking love to see it. I know I do. I know I definitely do. So, and what the, f <laughs> but again, when you have these studios, they just like, ah, ah, I, I was hoping this was not real and hopefully they just like scrap it after they see everybody's reaction. But yes, apparently Warner Brothers Discovery will test out CNN news alerts while max viewers are watching TV shows and movies on the platform. What? What? When I want to watch a movie or a show, I don't want to be reminded about news. I think a lot of us like to escape the realities of how everything's kind of a, you know, a shit burger right now when it comes to a lot of things. I don't think anybody wants to get some kind of news flash or update or some bullshit or whatever the hell I, they don't want nothing they no no we don't want this this is not a good thing why would you even i mean i'm not saying like would it just like cut into what you're watching you get like a brief little you know 15 second like news report or i i'm assuming it would just be like a message or a notification i would hope at least it would be minimal nobody wants this nobody wants this and hasn't CNN just like kind of imploded on itself because there was a lot of fucking bullshit that came out of CNN 
You know, I'm not saying that the other ones don't have bullshit, too, in their own propaganda, but it seemed like CNN kind of imploded on itself and they got rid of like their head dudes. Well, so did Fox News. They got rid of their head dude, too. That's the thing. It's just like they're. So why even do this? I mean, I think they're really trying to salvage and rebuild the CNN brand. But I think that is forever tainted for sure. But ugh, nobody wants this. Nobody wants that. You know, and just like this poll right here that uh, Breaking 911 put out, because, again, Mr. Mitch McConnell had an episode where he almost like where he froze up. He started rebooting again. Sometimes I think these people are robots. But, yes, it's like, hey, and then we've had these events like, you know, when politicians reach a certain age, they need to get out. OK, these there's some politicians in there, including our fucking president, that is just not there anymore. It things are not there anymore. He said, for God's sakes, when he went to Maui and he tried to compare the Maui fires to a kitchen fire and say he almost lost his Corvette. He always tries to compare and he sounds he sounds like your grandpa trying to, you know, retell a story you've heard about 57 times. I remember my grandpa used to do that all the time. He would always tell the story, tell stories and try to be like, you know, if, if something was happening, I don't know, I can go on and on and on. But no, they, it's like, come on. There needs to be an age limit or at least, you know, do something where it's like if this person can, if they're going to be a politician and they are exceeding a certain age, make sure that they can still say things and not freeze up and not look like they're lost and be lost in whatever the hell. There should be that. Or we just get younger people, you know, can we get younger people that are that are that there? But yeah, I think there should be an age limit. There really should. That's all. Ezra Miller's ass. That's right. We're going to talk about Ezra Miller's ass. On Monday, we talked about David Cornsweat's ass. Now we're going to talk about Ezra Miller's ass because everybody was like, look at that ass. Look at Ezra Miller's ass. Dude's been doing squats. That's right. Been doing some squats. It's up there. Look at that peach. Look at that peach. Look at that onion. But of course, that's VFX because <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Come on. I laugh. But obviously, obviously, when it comes to the practical, when it comes to the practical flash suit yes it's not going to look as good but we all know that there's a mocap version as well we've seen the the behind the scenes images of ezra in a mocap costume he has a cowl on and he has the boots on but everything else is the mocap pajamas so this could have been like one of those things where it's like all right just put that in there for now but i will say it's just kind of funny because look at how look at how it looks it doesn't look that even the cowl is like loose on his head like everything is like loose you know, but then, of course, you get, hey, look at that. Look at that. Doing some squats right there. So basically, this is um, the way I look at it, because and when people complain about the VFX, I'm like, well, the VFX for the costume, because the costume had VFX going on it pretty much the whole time. You can't make a comic accurate CBM costume without doing some tweaking post. You know, we've all seen the entirely, we've seen the Green Lantern full-on VFX suit. Didn't quite work. And then we've seen just them try to do 
a super comic acrylate. And, you know, sometimes it does work, but sometimes it doesn't. When it comes to something that's tight and tight fitting, guess what? You're going to have to do a little bit of both. You're going to have to do a little bit of both. And you can actually probably, I don't know, sometimes like there was times to, uh, where you can actually see those mocap dots on the costume. But yes, so when he when he's actually like just kind of maybe like standing there or something like that, yeah, the costume doesn't look as good as it's supposed to look, but then they fix it in post to make it. A, I honestly think the Flash costume is fucking awesome. I don't know. Like being a Flash fan, I thought they did a good job on the costume. I really did. Like I've always been a fan of this new Flash costume. You know, I'm a fan of the, the Justice League one because that was the starter costume that Barry made. So it looks rugged. It looks put together. It looks like it's been held, barely held together. And I love that costume. But I also love the sleek, new, almost more comic accurate Flash costume. But you can't achieve that with actual practicality. You have to have a little bit of VFX into it. So when this was being passed around, I was like, yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I just love how, <laughs> look at that ass. Look at that ass. So there you go. If you were wondering how some, you know, the costume looked pretty slick and looked pretty, that's all VFX work. It's VFX work, which is fine. You have to have a balance. That's what I say. Have the balance. I just wish they would have made, uh, you know, Batflex costume look a little bit better. But anyways, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. All right. Back to it. All right. So there you go, guys. There's your tweets. There's your tweets right there. And um, also, too, I know, like, uh, there's been some trailers that have come out, too, um, this week. The Killer, Michael Fassbender, David Fincher, Incoming Cinema. Yes. Uh, Saltburn with uh, Barry Keegan. Keon. I don't even know if I'm saying his last name right. That came out today. So there's been some trailers that have even come out. I think there was another trailer that came out, too. That uh, I was going to like mention, but I totally forgot what that trailer was. I just remember those two trailers. So, yeah, there's been some good trailers that have come out. Uh, I think what the that horror movie based on that game also came out today. Another trailer, I should say. But anyways, all right, guys, let's talk about the main topics. Let's uh, let's dive into this right here. When it comes to this article from the Hollywood Reporter and Richard Newby, Newby, I, I, I never say his name right. You know me, I'm bad with names. But uh, this came out over the weekend. I think this came out. This came out on the 25th. It came out on Friday, actually. And I think we kind of briefly talked about this on the Vox stream. But I figured, you know, since it was, since we're just been, this has been on everyone's mind when it comes to what's happening with the DCU EU when it this this year. I mean, we got flop, flop, flop. That's been happening. We were all hoping that it, it, it's such a weird thing. And we're going to be talking about the flash. Um, we're going to be talking about, of course, those streaming numbers now kind of see where that is all landing. But, uh, but yeah, here's uh, the article right here. If you haven't seen it, you could just type it in and just, you know, you'll be able to find it. So here's the article. Where have all the DC fans gone? After a string of bombs and with a reboot on the horizon, Warner Brothers has to do more than make fans believe a man can fly. It has to make them believe that this time there's a willingness to see the flight to its destination. I like that a lot because obviously when it comes to what's happening, what has happened when it comes to older regimes is the fact that they would not allow the flight 
to reach its destination. <clears throat> it's been more than a decade since Man of Steel ushered the, in the DCEU in 10 years, this very week since Ben Affleck was announced to play Batman in Zack Snyder's cinematic saga. We all know the turmoil in that endeavor ultimately resulted in and the seemingly ceaseless ceaseless restructuring of DC that followed partially as a result. But for now, let's journey back to the summer of 2013, a simpler yet undeniably passionate age. The noise from comic book fans circling the new minted DC extended universe was near deafening that summer. Everyone had an opinion about both on Man of Steel with its controversial third act in which Superman killed Zod and the casting of Ben Affleck, who still hadn't quite come clean of the spandex stench of 2003's Daredevil, yet was somehow supposed to measure up to Christian Bale's beloved Dark Knight. The DCU was shiny and new, and whether reactions were positive or negative, everyone had an opinion on its future. Fan theories took a hold quickly. Comic creators took sides. Bloggers discovered they could gain control of the narrative early, and DC fans uh, fortified defenses and stockpiled ammunition in just a few years they would take what was theatrical uh theat was uh yeah supposed to be fun comics superheroes and blah 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 and turned into pure misery a war of personal attacks vendettas cult mentalities antagonistic journalism and career altering decisions woof so yeah just basically just taking like the next the last 10 years and just uh, commenting about it. Cut to 10 years later, and Henry Cavill is no longer Man of Steel. Ben Affleck is no longer Batman. Zack Snyder is building universes at, ne at Netflix with his Army of the Dead and Rebel Moon franchises. Joss Whedon is a persona non grata in Hollywood. And that guy who showed everyone just how su successful the Guardians of the Galaxy could be, James Gunn just wrapped up. The Guardians trilogy on a success successful note and is now co-head of DC Studios alongside Peter Saffron. Together, they are relaunching the universe as the DCU. And as for the DCEU, Blue Beetle in theaters, though sadly it seems few know it, of course, is the uh, obviously talking about just everything that's going on. And of course, the impending doom that is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Few seem to know the answer to that one either, given Gunn's perplexing comments that Blue Beetle is the first DCU character, but not the first DCU film. Yes, that didn't make sense. I don't know what the fuck Gunn was even thinking about saying something like that, but I think he was trying to be like trying to bridge something. Blue Beetle's opening box office among lowest in the franchise's history comes after a string of box office misses, including The Flash, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, Black Adam, and COVID-affected titles. Wonder Woman 1984 and The Suicide Squad as Gunn and Saffron tee up their relaunch with a slate of film and television projects. Pundits are wondering where have all the DC fans, film fans have gone. So obviously just read the whole thing. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it's a good article. It's a good read. You know, it definitely is. It's definitely a good read. So do yourself a favor, read it. But where have all the DC fans gone? Well, I'm still here. I'm still here. A lot of us are still here. And, you know, when we go back, I don't think we should go back to 2013. No, no, no. We should not be going back to 2013. We should be going back to, what, 2011 or maybe 2010, 20, 2009? I don't know. When we should go back 
let's face it, when we go back to when Batman Begins comes out, that's right, James Gunn, I'm going back to Batman Begins. That movie, I didn't really like that much. <laughs> Anyways, um, but obviously, when it comes to the Marvel machine, they had nothing going against them. They soon will, and, they, and that's happening now, but they soon will. Because let's face it, when it comes to live action comic book movies or shows or something like that, DC's always been on top. And they've always been on top with either Batman and Superman. And then a little bit of Wonder Woman also, because obviously we had a Wonder Woman show. But it's always been, they've always been on top when it comes to live action. Marvel has always been behind when it comes to all this. But obviously when it came to the 2000s with X-Men and Spider-Man, that's when Marvel all of a sudden, whoa. Here, here they can be. Here they are. Started making a big presence and everything. So, but when we go back to billion dollar franchises and talking about individual movies that are billion dollars, we have the Dark Knight trilogy. Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, billion dollars. That was when we were seeing, like, whoa, look at that. They're on top. They're on top. But over at the Marvel machine, over in the Marvel area, they were they were cooking. They were putting things together. They're yet, you know what? We're gonna start off with this right here. We're gonna build up to Avengers. So we're gonna start off with Iron Man, and then we're gonna have Captain America. We're gonna have Hulk. We're gonna have Thor. We're gonna get the main guys together, and then we're gonna, and then we're just gonna have something right here. And DC and Warner Brothers saw this, so they thought, okay, so Christopher Nolan is not gonna do Batman forever. <laughs> Okay. Uh they're not he's not going to be doing Batman movies forever. So, we got to start cooking our stuff. They're cooking some something over there. Now, mind you, the Marvel movies weren't making billions of dollars. I mean, if you look at the box office returns, they're not nearly as where they ended up being. So they were just but they were trying to build up to something. So then Warner Brothers and DC were like, okay, we got to start building up. We got to, okay, we, gotta, we see what they did. They start off with Iron Man. Not many people, not. So we got to start off with our own Iron Man. Who do we have? Green Lantern. <gasps> there it is. We'll make a Green Lantern movie, and maybe that'll be the basis of our shared DC universe. We'll start off with, because we have like, you know, a sarcastic character. We'll get Ryan Reynolds. We're good. I think everything's going to be okay. And then, of course, it wasn't okay because the script, there was barely a script. They were still rewriting it during production and blah, 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 blah. blah. And they got a guy with a ball cap who thought he could do something, didn't do anything. And that movie <laughs> fucked up. So then they're like, okay, we are DC. We have DC. We shouldn't start off with a more, you know, we should start off with one of our main characters. So Dark Knight Rises comes out, does a shit ton at the box office. So then Warner Brothers is like, hey, can you do that to Superman? Come on, hey, Chris, 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 can you do, can you, can you do Superman next? We need you to make movies for the rest of our lives because we don't know what the fuck to do. And he said, no, but I know a guy, you know, that guy that you had to do Watchmen, you should get that guy to do Man of Steel. He can actually maybe break him down, break Superman down a little bit, ground him as much as possible. Sorry, that thing started to fall down. I got a little sticky thing on it. I need to get new ones. I heard it rip. 
was like, oh shit. Anyways, yeah, still getting used to the, anyways, all that. So then Zack Snyder comes in, does essentially ground Superman as much as possible, but you can only do so much when it comes to Superman. Not to mention Zack Snyder's not fully like, yeah, sure, he's going to ground him, but he's not going to ground him like Christopher Nolan. And, and Zack Snyder has been quoted on saying how many times, how many times has Zach, have we heard that Zack was like, well, this is what we should do and not do that. Because obviously when it comes, and we even heard David Ayer talk about how they didn't test Batman versus Superman. And then when the critics came, all of a sudden thing, people just started losing their minds, started losing their minds about all this. And yes, it was a weird time because even like talking to people in reality, in real life, and then talking to people on Twitter who just absolutely hated what, Zach was doing now all of a sudden again you know we all these years later they start revisiting those movies and they're like wait a minute we could this was something different this was something different which it was it wasn't like because again this is dc people know these characters especially batman and superman so it's like okay you do the origin superman movie tweak it up a little bit different and ground it a little bit more than than normal but you don't need to do that with Batman because it's been done to death. So just incorporate Batman. Then you bring in Wonder Woman. She does her own solo. And then you bring in these other Justice League members. You do Justice League first, then branch off and do their own thing. It was a different machine. It's like, all right, I'm going to tell this story. And then you guys can like do spread, you know, spread out the universe with your own stories and do all that. And it could be a collaborative thing. That was something different. But of course, they didn't want that. And then reaction to Batman versus Superman. That's where, you know, these people started getting all fucking stupid and blah, blah, blah. So in the middle of all that, people were just kind of going like, what the hell? What the hell? I mean, diehard DC fans are going to watch these movies no matter what. But I've I've talked to DC fans like at, at comic book shops and everything that fucking hate everything Zack Snyder did. And then I've talked to ones that fucking love everything everything Zack Snyder did. You know, it's such a mixed bag. It's such a weird thing. Like you go to a comic book shop or you just talk to somebody who's wearing a fucking Superman shirt, maybe they know what the hell they're talking about. You'll get different reactions. Like it's like but that's the way it always it always is when it comes to even just comic book runs. You know, you walk into a comic book shop. It's not like every new comic book that comes out, you're like all about it and you're just grabbing it. The, the fact of the matter is, is Warner Brothers should have just let the man cook, let the man do his thing. And you could have had this universe. Yes, maybe maybe it wasn't gonna going to make what the big Marvel machine was making at the time but at the same time when that started it wasn't making the the big money that it was making eventually it's like it was still trying to build up to something so they would have just let it be and zach would have taken his story and what was happening in that story and just let it finish and then maybe people would have came around to it to to the point where the just his justice league movie or his justice league sequel the sequels could have made billions of dollars i mean obviously like when you talk talk about all the movies together they made billions of dollars but i'm saying just the justice league alone movies they could have just made like billions of dollars it's been something different critically acclaimed possibly like when it came to at least the justice league movies it would have been done with it. He had a reboot built into his story and he just would have left it be. And we wouldn't be in the mess that we are now. Good luck, James Gunn. <laughs> Good luck, James Gunn, right? I don't know. But 
I think it's just uh, DC fans haven't. They're they're not they're they're still going to the comic book shops. They're still collecting the merchandise. It's just, I don't know. I think they're just like, uh, even if like when it comes to the average DC fan, who might just like, there's just nothing that's bringing, you know, that's pulling them in. And maybe Superman Legacy will pull them in. Now that it's like, okay, we know that, all right, this is going to be something fresh. They're starting something new. Maybe that's going to pull them in. I, you know, the Batman pulled people in. Yeah, did, did it make a billion dollars? No, but it was successful. Because it was a different take on Batman. And, and DC fans showed up to that. But when it comes to all this other stuff that's that's still trying to capture that shared universe. People are just kind of like, eh, I don't know. But the individual stories like Joker and Batman and the Batman, people flock to those. But because it also captures, obviously, the general audience. But I'm just saying, like, the DC fans are just, they're still around. But I think uh, when it comes to at least the shared stuff in the past couple of years, it's just kind of been like an eh kind of thing. But you get something pretty unique in there, like at the Batman or Joker, that's when they're going to go to it. So, obviously, when it comes to what James Gunn has to do, and I've said, it, I'm like, he's got to, you know, and with, you know, with everything that keeps coming out and whatever the hell, even like the recent stuff, which I don't give a shit about his opinions, you know, 11 years ago about Batman movies. I don't really give a shit, but he, I mean, it does, it does put more of like the, uh, you know, it does put more of the, um, the microscope on him, the magnifying glass. And I'm like, what are you going to do? That's going to be different. But I think he's actually going to take us. I think he's taken a similar approach of what. Zach was doing was the fact that it's like we don't have to have full-on origin stories for everything to have the shared universe. You can have already existing characters in a universe. You don't have to always like hand feed like the audience, like, oh, this is how this person became this. You can, if you know how to tell a story, you can pepper it throughout. And then of course you can eventually show that story, sure, later on. See, Zach was trying to get to, he was just being like, all right, we don't need to tell the story for everything like right here. We can have a shared story that has these characters that we know what they could do mainly. And then eventually we can get to the point where we can show the origins and whatever. And I think this is what James Gunn is and doing. It is what he's doing. He's like, you know, we already know the story of Superman. We already know a lot of these stories. So let's have a Superman that's in a universe that already has heroes and we don't need to see how they became this hero and i like that i like that approach but i just kind of wonder is it already too late is it already too late are people gonna actually go to it i mean it just seems like we're on, we're like two years out i mean i guess less than two years but of course it's probably going to be delayed we're like two years out and it's kind of crazy to think like okay it's like as we get closer and closer, the pressure is just going to be, you know, more and more on them. I mean, obviously, the people who hate James Gunn are just going to hate it no matter what. You already hate if you hate James Gunn, you're just going to hate it. I mean, there's always the bias, of course. Um, but uh, just like the same thing that happened with like Snyder. I mean, people just naturally already have their reviews written already, like trashing the damn thing. 
it's sad that that's the case. But then there's also going to be the people that are thinking it's going to be like the greatest Superman ever since Superman 78. They're going to say that too. There's already those people that are already probably going to say it's the best fucking thing ever. And we're going to hear that it's the best movie since The Dark Knight, which I hate that goddamn. Ugh. Can they stop writing that? Can they stop writing those headlines? But yeah, he's got a lot. He's got. He's got a lot that's happening. Superman Legacy is stuffed with non-Superman supporting characters being used to launch Gun's universe. Same problem. Folks want a standalone Supes film. Not in a sense. It's not that, though. Randy, it's not that. If you're going to have an actual shared universe, we've had solo Superman movies. We've already had those. So to have Superman interact with characters that we have not seen on screen that aren't going to be it's not like they're going to be there the whole time I, i'm sure it's going to be like a scene you got to do something different and doing something different would be not doing just a superman film that just has him and nothing else you can't that's not that's not that's already been done you have to have a superman film that's going to actually have a green lantern a hawk girl and, you know, the authority, which is nobody knows who that is. It's only going to be, it's not going to be throughout. It's still going to be very much a Superman story. But we've already had the solo Superman movies where there hasn't been anyone else. But just the, the fact that he's already living in a world that has other people, that has other metahumans and whatever the hell, that is something different. You know, we've seen that when you watch Superman, the animated series. Or something. When you watch the DCAU, when you watch a DCAU movie, it's not like, oh yeah, we need to have an origin or we need to introduce this character. No, you just watch it and you go, oh, there's that character, that character. Oh, they're taking on something, and boom, there you go. But the way I'm looking at it is like, if you the the way that he's actually approaching the fact that it's an existing Superman, no origin story, and there is already heroes in there, I think that is smart. But as the fact of the matter is, are people gonna fucking show up? after everything that's been happening with the regime changes and everything. So, and it sucks too, because I, I love it when I see these YouTube videos online where people have watched Zack Snyder's Justice League for the first time and they love it and they go, wait, we're not getting more of this. That's what sucks. That's what sucks. You just got to let your fucking directors cook. Okay. And David Ayer even said that. David Ayer said that. He said that. He said, let your filmmakers just do what they were hired on to do. And the great thing about having a DC Studios is, yes, that will allow that. Okay? Now, let's hope that Gunn doesn't get all douchey and start, you know, saying, no, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. And starts doing all that. And hopefully even the people that are still above him, he still has to report to people. They don't start doing that either because not everything is going to be a full-on hit. Not anything is going to be a full-on hit. But if you're trying to do something fresh and different, okay, let's see what you have. Let's see what's happening. You know, if a DC Studios did exist when Zach was there and it existed with people that were not Toby Emmerich and those fucking assholes and Sujihara and those, those guys... Maybe they would have just, all right, just let's just go through with this whole fucking thing. But then again, part of the brain trust was Jeff Johns, and Jeff Johns ended up being a fucking asshole. That's what sucks. <coughs> That's what sucks.
because obviously Jeff Johns helped with the uh, storyboards at one point. And Jeff Johns was, you know, he had his fingers in all of what was happening there. But Ego, Ego, of course, took over. And then trying to satisfy satisfy the suits, that's what I worry about when it comes to James Gunn. I just worry that, you know, there's going to be Ego, which he definitely does have. And then, of course, like, satisfying, like, what? Okay, I'll change. I just, I just hope it's like, hey, just, he's a nerd at heart. And I'm like, please just let the nerd do its thing. Just let the nerd do its thing. You know, that's it. I just want the nerd that knows all the source material about all this. Let it, let, let him do its, do his thing. Don't, don't let that, that oversized ego that obviously, I mean, he had a, obviously when, before he even got the big jobs, he had an ego. I mean, we've seen the screenshots, we've seen the tweets. He had a weird fucking, you know, head complex kind of thing. I don't know. There you go. Wasn't seven characters in Man of Steel or any superhero movie that's the first of the series? Wasn't wasn't Martian Manhunter? Well, technically, yeah, not really, because at the, at the time when Man of Steel came out, Swanwick wasn't he wasn't Martian Manhunter. It just that was actually I mean that ended up just being a theory that just came about later on, which you know that happens too. You know, if it makes sense, incorporate it. So. But I'm just, I'm, to me, I'm just like on a, um, like I said, when people are like, we just want a standalone Superman movie. I'm like, you have it. You have those. You have four of them that came out with Christopher Reeve. You have a Superman Returns. You have shows. I mean, obviously, when it comes to certain shows, yeah, there was some like extended universe kind of stuff. But you have shows, you have Superman Returns, and then you have Man of Steel, which already had Technically, yeah, like I said, it was already expanding the universe a little bit, but it's like I really dig the idea that there's an already, you know, three, four, whatever, how many years Superman already established Superman that has other heroes in it. But it's I think people have it in their brains that it's just like it's going to be a complete ensemble the whole time. We're going to get Guy Gardner's backstory and what he's doing. It's like, no, we're not. It's still, and he, James Gunn's even said it himself, still very much a Superman and Lois Lane movie. It's a story about them. But yes, there is going to be some other presence. But it, I don't know. It's so funny because DC fans were like, there's like, especially Snyder DC fans, you don't have to have a solo movie. You don't have to have a solo movie to have like a Justice League. We don't have to do it like Marvel. And then all of a sudden, this happened, Superman Legacy, and then all of a sudden there's like already existing characters. So like, nope, we want a solo Superman movie. It's like, again, make up your minds. Make up your minds, fans. Make up your minds. What do you want? <laughs> you know? Because again, I think James Gunn is taking a page out of Zack Snyder's book of, hey, we don't have to do it like this. We can have a world that has existing characters already. We can already have that where we don't have to do a fucking origin mo movie. That's all. All right. Now we get to The Flash. The Flash. Are you guys watching it on Max? Stream it yet? I actually haven't. I haven't watched it. Maybe I'll put it on after this. Might. Or I'll watch it. I don't know. 
but I always, but I forgot. I was like, oh yeah, the Flash has shown itself on Max. So now we're like, okay, so is it going to be make a big splash on Max? Now, when it comes to streaming numbers, who knows what the hell? Streaming numbers are always a weird thing. Anytime that streaming numbers come out, everybody's always a little bit like, hey, especially when the when the company itself releases numbers or like says, oh, the numbers were great and you just got to take their word. It's like, okay, yeah, we'll take your word. But the fact of the matter is like part of what's happening when it comes to these strikes is the fact that they can flub the number. They could fluff the numbers as much as they can, they as much as they want to. So we don't know what the numbers are. We can never have, it's not like how, I don't know. I mean, even before it's like, how do you, the Nielsen rating and all that stuff. I mean, but obviously when it came to before, I mean, you only, you know, back in, back in the day when you only had a few channels and then when it came to these shows, you knew that anybody, they probably had some kind of data that had like this many people I bought this many TVs. So naturally they should be watching this. They should be watching that. If there's only like a few shows, some shows would have, you know, tens of millions of freaking views, obviously. But now there's so much stuff and streaming and everything. It's like, how do you actually measure it? But we have Samba TV, which a lot of people don't like. And I'm not, I mean, I know it only really measures like smart TVs as, as much as I know. It only shows that. It doesn't show anything else when it comes to like phones or anything like that. But here's the breakdown right here. Boop. So there we go. Oops, I did not mean to hit that. There we go. Samba TV, when it comes to D, well, this is their ratings. Obviously, we have all the different DC movies that have come out. And The Flash came out at 1.1 million over the weekend. So it comes in at fifth. That's right. Actually, sixth. What am I doing? I'm, I don't even know how to count. Sixth, god damn, Shazam only 260. Nobody really cared about Shazam, man. I tell you what. So obviously when it comes to Wonder Woman 84, that was when the pandemic started, and that was the first one to do the whole day day and date thing, whatever. So naturally that was always going to be like the biggest one. And then, of course, the Suicide Squad, that was during the pandemic as well, 2.1. And then the Batman, the Batman didn't really suffer too much of that. It had a good box office. And then according to this, had a 1.6. Zack Snyder's Justice League, 1.4. Um, but again, you know, it's like there's probably more than that. The, you know, but the thing is, Zack Snyder's Justice League had all this hype in social media and pop culture behind it. That's what's so great about that. Then you had Black Adam, 1.2. And uh, so, yeah, again, it's like... <laughs> <I> can't... <laughs> Maybe Dwayne Johnson knew what he was talking about when it came to the hierarchy of the DC Universe <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like Black Adam came out and then everything that came out after it has not met what it made at the box office or now on streaming. <laughs> so it's, it's so funny and people keep making jokes. It's like, oh shit, you know, he kept on saying the hierarchy of the DC universe is about to change and it kind of did. He was right. And his movie, when it comes to these ones, have been on top. It's just, it's kind of hilarious to me. It's really kind of hilarious. <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny. So now you kind of wonder, it's like, man, what would have happened if Black Adam, I mean, I, and I've talked about it. What would have happened if Black Adam did make a bunch of money and 
uh, Hiram Garcia got the DC studios gig and everything. I mean, we still have Cavill. Things would be a little, but it wouldn't be, again, it wouldn't be what everybody would want it to be. It would not be, it would be partially Snyderverse, but it wouldn't be, I don't know. It'd be such a weird thing. That's a, it just makes you wonder about that. It does make me wonder about that. Uh, eh, what can you do? Anyways. But speaking of uh, studios, studios and their goddamn CEOs, who are just, you know, they, they're like, why are they not meeting our demands? Gee, I don't know. Because they know how much you make. Maybe that's why. Could be that. But apparently there was going to be some kind of meet today when it came to the heads of these studios. And because they can't seem to figure anything out. God knows how long these strikes are going to go. It seems like they're going to go forever. But here's the article right here from Deadline. Ah, what is that? Get rid of that. Ah, I can't get rid of it. Anyways, studio CEO set to meet today amid internal tensions. No end in sight to strikes. That's right. There's no end in sight. They're never going to get rid of it. Exclusive. Amid growing speculation of internal divisions within the C-suites and a lack of any apparent path forward to end the writers and actor strikes, the chiefs of Hollywood's biggest studios are set to gather today. Disney's Dana Walden and Alan Bergman, Amazon Studios' Mike Hopkins and Jennifer Salk, Netflix's uh, Ted Sarandos, Universal's Donna Langley, and Warner Brothers Discovery's David Zaslav, Mr. David Winter Zazzy Pants, are among those scheduled to attend the virtual sit-down later Wednesday, we hear. And I love how they say Mouse House CEO Bob Iger will not be participating in all this what the hell? I've already said my piece. The demands are ridiculous. I'm going to uh, go to one of my houses, one of my 16 houses. I don't know which one yet, but I'm going to go to one of those. I'm going to take my my private jet there, then take my yacht to it. You know, I'm going to, you know, take the private jet to the yacht. And then, you know, a bunch of people are just going to lift me into my house. I don't even have to move my legs or anything. I got drivers. I got people, you know, good God. Uh, will not be participating, of course, reverting to his earlier stance of having Walden and Bergman be the primary, of course. You know, he doesn't want to do it. He don't want to do his job. He don't want to do his job. He's uh, he's over it. He's going to retire soon. He's going to just leave it and be like, fuck it, whatever. It is unclear whether AMPTP President Carol Lombardini will be present. Who knows? As the blowback intensifies from the disastrous August 22 meeting with Iger, Sarandos, Langley, Zaslov, the AMPTP's Lombardini, and WGA negotiators, and subsequent release of the studio's latest proposal, there are no new talks set with the Guild. Add that to the WGA rejection, the deal, uh, the rejection to the deal. On August 24th, calling it neither nothing nor nearly enough mistrust between the parties is at an all-time high, we hear. That translates into the WGA and the AMPTP being nowhere near a deal to end the 120-day scribe strike, not to mention the sag after strike, which is in day 48. The AMPTP said it is waiting, the is waiting for the official response from the WGA 
to the August 11th offer. The Guild says it made a counter on August 15th and that the ball is in the studios and streamers court. All of which means newly hired crisis PR firm. That's right. They hired a new crisis PR firm because they are looking bad. Oh, no. <laughs> They're looking bad. <sighs> Why are they looking so bad? Because they do. They are bad. Jesus. They're fucking idiots. Ugh. The Levingston Group might find that its principal task right out of the gate is handling the tension between studio CEOs as the writer's strike goes deep into the fourth month. Ugh. So you can read that article. Deadline and everything. So, but I'll read this last part right here. According to several sources, for instance, it was streaming Kingpin Sarandos, Sarandos, who lectured WGA leaders at the gathering last week about why they had to take the AMTP's latest offer. Others say that while Sarandos certainly wasn't pliant, it was Iger who was the loudest voice in the room with the other CEOs and the WGA brass on August 22nd. That approach spectacularly, uh, spectacularly flamed out, and then they made it worse by putting their offer out in public the same night. One industry vet states of the outcome of the studio boss's brow-beating meeting with guild leaders and the attempt to go around the WGA negotiating committee directly to members. In particular, thin-skinned, <laughs> thin-skinned Iger and Zasloff were stunned, according to one insider, that they have been so vilified by the guild and its members over the several over the past several months. Almost everyone is looking for someone to blame. Another insider says, of the backbiting among the core CEOs, they're paralyzed. Even the clock is ticking, and it's Ted's fault, Iger's fault, even Tony Vincequera's fault. Depending on who you ask, it's not helping the situation for anyone. You think? Greed. Greed. I mean, I get it that being a CEO for a big, huge company, not an easy gig, sure, but it was all bound to happen, especially with streaming and everything. So it's not looking good right now. It's not looking good. It's really not looking good when it comes to all this. This is going to go into next year. It's going to go into next year. And it just kind of makes you wonder. The people that are above the CEOs, the people who sit in the chairs, who I imagine sitting in the dark and they're smoking a cigarette, petting a cat. I don't know. Got a scotch right there or something like that. I, it's like it's going to get to the point where I mean, I, 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 I've even said it before. Zazzy pants might be out by the end of the year. Iger, it sounds like he's already fucking done with this shit. It doesn't it's not like he'd he could retire very easily. It's like, you know what? It's just like what I was saying about, you know, when it came to the whole presidential thing. Let's get the old fucks out of there. Let's get these olds. Let's get these olds out of there. Get some young blood in there. Who actually knows maybe, you know, knows where the fucking, you know, yeah, where's the wind blowing right here? Ugh. Horrible. Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Episode three. Just came out. Watched it today. 
And uh, there's going to be something interesting I'm going to talk about when it comes to Ahsoka. When it comes talks about those streaming numbers, we're going to talk about that a little bit because <laughs> that's pretty interesting. But at first, let me give my little quick review of Episode 3. Episode 3 was uh, pretty, uh, you know, it continues on with the story. Kind of curious where the story goes. Um, there is something that's interesting that does happen that I saw circulating on Twitter that Ahsoka does that a lot of people were shitting on. And I went, why? I mean, it comes to the point. Where it's like, how, what, what do we, what do we want these Jedi to do? And she does something pretty like, whoa, that's like pretty interesting. And if you've seen it, you've seen it. You, you, she does a little spacewalk thing. It's not quite what princess Leia did, uh, in, in last Jedi, even though I thought that was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. It's something different and unique. I always love it when they try new things, especially when it comes to like Jedis and whatever the hell, or just something different that, oh, wow, you know, that would be cool. Something I've never seen. I'm always, hey, try it. Not everybody's going to like it, sure. But it's just when people just go like, that's not what I, whoa, they start getting all huffy puffy. And again, it's like, why do you treat it like religion? I thought it was like what she did. I thought that was kind of cool. Like, I've never seen that in a Star Wars live action before. I've never seen what she does there. But when it comes to the character of Sabine, why is it that I... I don't like her, and I think it's the actress. It is She's not a good actress. It seems like her line delivery, the dialogue that she gives... It's not good. It's like she's overdoing it. I don't know what it is. I'm just kind of like, she says like a line and I'm like, okay, that was a little bit much. And I'm not, you know, and the writing is not strong. Sure. And the dialogue is not strong, but everybody else is fine. Rosario Dawson, Elizabeth Masterson Winstead, or is that what her name is? <laughs> um, Miss Kenobi. <laughs> They're all fine. Everybody's fine. But her, I'm just like, the way she delivers lines sometimes, like, it's a little too much for me. I don't know. That's just me, though. That's just me. Other than that, I'm still continuing on. I'm like, all right, curious to see where it goes. Uh, Ray, Ray Stevenson's great. He's absolutely fantastic. But this is pretty interesting right here, uh, what I wanted to get to when it came to Ahsoka. Speaking of streaming numbers and everything like that, because apparently THR released an article about Ahsoka and uh, the streaming premiere right here. So here we go with this. Ahsoka premiere draws big audience, Disney Plus says. Because we're going to trust them. We're going to trust them. Samba TV says otherwise. But again, Samba is not does not take in everything that's right there. The streamer offers up concrete viewing figures for one of its shows for the first time. So here we go right here. According to the new, to the streamer. Okay, so it says right here. According to the streamer, the first episode of the series starring Rosario Dawson, of course, yes, we know, has racked up 14 million views worldwide in five days after its August 23rd debut. Disney Plus is using the same methodology for counting a view that Netflix has employed for the past couple of months, dividing the total viewing time by the runtime for a given title. In Ahsoka's case, 14 million views of the 56-minute premiere episode would equate to 784 million minutes of viewable uh, viewing worldwide. Views doesn't necessarily equal viewers, however, as the total viewing time doesn't necessarily account 
for multiple people watching the show together or a single person watching the, sh the episode several times. Disney Plus also didn't release any figures for episode two of Ahsoka, which also premiered August 23rd. So what are we thinking? Is that b -b 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 bullshit? Most likely. Are they flub are they fluffing the numbers? Absolutely. This is what they did. This is what Netflix does. They even said, oh, we're doing what Netflix does. Yes, let's face it. They're, they, they're doing anything and everything to make it seem like something's more successful than it actually is. You know, when it comes to anything, another movie or show that means really nothing, it's a fresh take. They're not going to do the same treatment, but this is fucking Star Wars. So naturally, they're going to be like, yep, this thing, 14 million views for the premiere. Look at that. But there's there's just like no, there's no way to measure this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm sure they, they I mean, they have probably buildings full of people that are constantly just breaking down the data, but we're never going to know what exactly it all is. I don't know. There's just so many things. It's all, you know, what what can he do? It's all, it seems like it's just BS. It's just BS, but hey, continue watching Ahsoka. It's not a bad show. Making millions as CEO for Disney, Warner Brothers is hard, Dave. Yeah. No, I, I'm sure it is. Sure it is, but, you know, it's got to be collaborative. You can't, if you're not going to have any writers or actors... You got to have, you know, you're not going to, and I'm not saying that like, you know, I'm sure some of the demands are not, that's what's so funny about all this whole thing. It's like some of the demands I can understand, like I can actually put myself in the, the head, the headspace or the mindset of a, of a CEO that's running this huge, huge company and, and just be like, and say like, you know, you know, some of the demands probably are like what, because not everything, you know, especially when it comes to writing, it's like. The, the writing, I remember I was talking about this with one of my with one of my friends who's like been in that world. It's like the writing writer, there's never used to be really a writer's room when it came to shows, particularly. Like it never used to be like you just have a writer's room. Now it's like every show has a writer's room with like 12 people. And are are all those people gonna be like top-notch writers? No. I mean, that's why we get a lot of a lot of shit, a lot of just shit. Netflix, you know, has a lot of shit, even when it comes to their movies. I mean, there's just a lot of shit out there. You know, it almost seems like the, the better quality writing is always just from one person, you know. But obviously with the show, you need, you know, you need you need multiple writers. But it never used to just kind of like really be like that so much. Um, at least back in the day. I mean, obviously, it's been like that for quite a while. But yeah, it's not it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. It's not easy. To, and I can totally understand. It's like, okay, certain things. But at the same time, it's like, you know, when. I don't know. I'm just wondering when the whole thing is going to fucking end. When is it all going to end? It's crazy. It's all crazy. Anyways. All right. Let's get the Twitter questions. See what's going on in the Twitter world. Not too many Twitter questions. So we'll do this and then, of course, do the members only stream after this. All right. Okay. Eric. Hey, Dave. As I've said a lot, announcing a reboot before Flash and Aquaman 2 came out was a bad move. That was one of the bad moves. 
Even that aside, I'd say that one way to clean up the mess and cure all the hard feelings is take a long break from any shared universe focused on standalones and elsewhere. Yeah, not when there's so many people that are like that want still a shared universe. That's why I'm that's why I don't think that is the right approach at all. I think there's something about there is always something cool about a shared universe, but I think Marvel got too crazy with the shared universe where it was always in your it was always in your face it was always in your face about the shared universe but if you do subtle things if you do subtle things then that should be that should satisfy enough i mean that was like that was enough back when we watched batman forever and bruce wayne tells dick grayson the circus should be halfway to metropolis by now we all freaked out i think there's always we always do want to know that there's a bigger universe out of there we just don't want it in our faces you know we we want it we want it to be more subtle i think i think where we don't feel like we have to like see everything to understand what's going on let matt reeves cook with batman heck maybe a cavill man is still too i don't know why you keep on saying cavill man is still too that's not happening it's done it's done <laughs> but let things settle audiences have loved the standalone stuff so far the longer the break before a reboot the more fans can look forward i mean again i mean we have short attention spans nowadays so two years and i think that thing's gonna get delayed but there, i mean there's a chance they might scrap the whole fucking thing things don't work out here i'm sure again james gunn is gonna lose his hair Cooper Knox, I'm glad David Ayer is speaking up more and more about his time with Suicide Squad, having up all of those pent up emotions over the past seven years must have eaten away. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it has. He probably second guessed himself with a lot of things. Devon Wooter, hey, Dave, do you think James Gunn can bring back DC fans? Because I believe he can. I don't want to see DC fail. I want them to beat Marvel and give us something different. And did you uh, get your copy of the Flash movie? I haven't gotten it yet. Haven't gotten it yet. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, again, I mean, James Gunn was not my first choice, but I did like the approach of having two people that are heading the studio. One's a creative and one's a business. I'm, I don't really trust Peter Saffron really at all. Uh, but I somewhat trust Gunn because he knows the material and he's seen the Marvel machine work. So it's like, all right, you got to like do something and having his name on it. I know there's people that hate his guts and are not even going to check all this out, even though they probably will watch the movies and they'll proclaim on Twitter. I'm going to legally download it. Cool. You're so cool. Admitting you're going to steal something I'm proud of you. It's always funny. People are weird. That's what social media has given us. Jacob, if DC is tainted, how long of a break do you think it would take for people to be interested in DC again? Assuming the DCU doesn't take flight the way they want it to. Um, I mean, we'll see. Like I said, short attention spans nowadays. That's why TikTok is such a big thing. Mr. Nobody, the DC brand was tainted after Green Lantern. There you go. You, 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 you saw what I was talking about earlier. But then came Man of Steel in the same year. It wasn't the same year. It was like two years later. Um, I think it was 2011 that Green Lantern came out, right? So we just need a good story that will be followed by more good stories. You hit the nail. <laughs> you hit the nail with a hammer on that one. Yes, 
That's that's one way to approach it. We just need a good story with followed by more good stories. Yes, Mr. Nobody, it's exactly what we need. <laughs> that's always funny. I got it, guys. I got it. I got it. All right. Everybody's sitting down. All right. We gathered around. Get this. We just need a good story and then follow that up with more good stories. Anybody? <laughs> uh, yes, that's what we do. That's what we need. Yes, we, yeah, we definitely need that. But the, the fact of the matter is, is like not everybody likes the storyteller. That's the thing. That's the problem, too. We all think we 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 all think, oh yeah, you know, when it comes to certain storytellers, no matter what they put out, that's yeah, that's always gonna be good. But then there's some people that whatever that person puts out, it's shit, it's horrible. So that's that's the hard part is to try to grab the majority at least, because you're never gonna get obviously everybody, but you try to grab the you know, the majority. That's the thing. It's like, you know, I love how Zack Snyder tells a story. I love how he told these stories, but there's a lot of people that didn't. Okay. But I can also appreciate how James Gunn tells a story. And there's a lot of people that don't like how he tells a story. I don't know. To me, I'm just like, I try to be as unbiased as possible and just be like, oh yeah, yeah. Let me just, you know, tell a story see if I like it to see if I don't. That's it. You know, I just love movies. I love movies. I love DC. So it's hard. It's hard to be like, try to, I mean, look at, look at Scott. Scott's even talked about it. Scott McClellan. He talks about, it. I mean, at one point it was like exciting what was happening. I mean, back in like 2015, 2016, it was so exciting. It was so exciting what was going on. I mean, I wish we could just capture that again, you know, especially when they announced BBS and then everything was coming out with BBS. And it was a very exciting time because, you know, the Marvel machine was doing its thing and making these. So then, but DC was brewing up their own version of something right here. And it was so very fucking exciting. But then at the same time, it was also a war zone because people just, they were too busy. They were too, they were too strung out on the Marvel drug that they didn't appreciate what was going on over here. They didn't want something different over at DC. So they shit on what Snyder was doing, you know, but again, it's a, it's a different time because the Marvel machine is struggling right now. It is, even though it's, you know, it's what I, it's, it's just struggling. It's not where it was. So again, you have both, you have both Marvel and DC just trying, trying to, get somewhere and they're, they're, they're both climbing upwards. That's for sure. It's all crazy. All right, guys, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Hit that like comes up. Uh, if you want to be, uh, if you want to like, uh, be part of the members only stream, we're going to do it right after this members look for it on your, on your, uh, whatchamacallit, your, your, timeline whatever so uh check that out if you want to join it you know support the channel pick my brain a little bit more when it comes to everything it's a little bit more personal we're gonna get a little more personal you know how it is but yeah do that but uh everybody else smash that like thumbs up hit that notification bell do all that follow me on all the various sock meds you want to support the channel also on the patreon so i'm trying to figure out more uh, exclusive content to put up on there so you could do that there we go there and then it starts again okay see 
But uh, anyways, guys, you guys are awesome. And I'll see you guys on Friday for the Vodka stream, of course, at 6.30 Pacific Standard Time. Members, I'll see you guys in a little bit. Love you. Talk to you later.